When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Levin Black. Levin, it's Thursday. I'm one less organ, but I'm here. I was going to say, Rob, you look great. Did you lose weight? Yep. Some fish said on Monday. I'm a little lighter. No, I'm a little more spry. Yeah, if anything, you needed to lose weight. You're the one that needs to lose weight. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. What, what people look at me and they think, yeah. man, if he was just a little bit skinnier, that'd probably be good for him. Um, but no, I'm here. Best weight loss plan out there. Sell a kidney. I'm back. I'm so <laughs> grateful to be back um, because it it was not a fun week for me. But we're on the mend, so we're good. Um, rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network, please. If you leave a rating, we always say we'll read it on the show. This one comes from WWE Champs. Say no five stars. What I love. Rob's energy and passion makes the whole network. He doesn't try to pretend he's grinding film. He has questions, and he asks people who know more. He doesn't make up dink and dunk storylines. Flip side, Grant Cohn is the exact opposite. Recently saying gloomy weather means Trey Lance asked to be traded and now is all in Trey so he can say Kyle should be fired. I don't really understand the last part of that. I'm not going to lie. I just did a show with Grant yesterday. I thought it was great. You can go see it. It's on the channel. But he did talk quite a bit about how Kyle is not that great. Like, he's good, but he's he seemed very negative towards Kyle. He was trying to say he wasn't, but as an unbiased listener listening to it, it seemed like he was very, like, anti-Kyle. If I had to sum it up, I would say it's it's he feels like Kyle has taken the roster as far as it can go. 
And he yeah. thinks that it's one of those situations where even though this person might win a lot of games, you get to a point as a team where it's Super Bowl or bust. He feels the Niners are there and maybe they need to bring in another coach to get him over the hump. I am not on that train as frustrated as I can be with Kyle sometimes. The guy's won 52 games since 2019 and made multiple deep playoff runs, a Super Bowl run. I'm not there yet. I think it's easier in other sports to do that, especially baseball. Like there are bigger changes there, but I think in the NFL, so much philosophy and game planning that makes the team win is on the coach. You know, in the NBA, yeah, you call me a call plays, but it's not 100% on the, on the coach. It's a lot more about a coach motivating in the right way in the NBA and major league baseball. It's like 1% strategy by the coach. And 99% motivating and pulling, you know, the right buttons on on, or pushing the right buttons on the team. Yeah. NFL is different. And I I think the NFL is littered with a lot more examples of a team that said, hey, we can't get over the hump. So we're going to try to find a different coach that can get us there. And it falling apart. You can look at the Chargers with Schottenheimer. Yes. Like they never got better. They were never again as good as they were in that final season with Schottenheimer. Yes, Schottenheimer certainly had issues. He had major – you think Kyle Shanahan is bad about game management. That was Schottenheimer's <laughs> problem, problem, and it always reared its head in the playoffs. But, I mean, you can you can look at even with uh, Mariucci. How well did that go with for the Niners? You mean Dennis Erickson didn't have uh, the magic touch? No, the, the worst coach oh, wow. in Niners history is Dennis Erickson. Oh, God. Yes. Factor in team and results. I agree. There are coaches who have worse records for the 49ers, you know, but Erickson inherited a championship caliber team and didn't even make the playoffs. Didn't even have a winning record. Yeah. I lived through those years. I do not want to do that again. I think I'd rather lose my appendix than have to live through Dennis Erickson again. I doubt Uh, that. But leave us a review again. As I say, you leave it. We read it. Also, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you'll be notified whenever we go live. Shout out to all our YouTube channel members. If you want to become a member, please, please do. It's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, and, of course, the fabled priority comment response. On today's show, Levin actually set the agenda for today's show. He texted me, said, this is what I want to do. Three categories. Pick the 49ers leader this season in three categories, Levin. And the categories are? Receiving, rushing, and sacks. I actually said rank the top three in these. Did you do the top three or did you just pick the leader? Did you say the rank? I think you're making that up. You are such a bad host. Damn, he did say rank the top three. (laughs) All right, I can do it. That's what made it interesting. I think predicting the leader in all three of these is pretty darn easy receiving is the only one that has a question mark but oh, I don't ranking think... the top three becomes a little bit more of an issue because you're kind of saying who who's the the guy that's not going to get the ball in the receiving game who's going to be the third running back who's going to be uh other than boza the sack person do you go jackson do you go armstead you know i think the third spot was what made it interesting. So you failed. Congratulations. Still not backed. I'm like Jimmy Garoppolo against Denver. You know, got to get back into form. Um, <laughs> which category do you want to start with? Receiving, rushing, or sacks? Uh, we can go rushing. 
Okay. You're going to start since this was your idea. This, I think, is the toughest category of the three because for a variety of, of reasons, scheme, injuries, circumstance, this, I think, is the toughest category. I don't see how that is because it's McCaffrey. Unless he gets hurt, which he has done quite frequently. Even if he plays only eight games, <laughs> he's likely to be the leading rusher because whoever gets the other nine games as the starter, one, likely is in more of a split carry than CMC will be in, and two, isn't going to perform to the level that CMC is. Here's the thing, though, I feel like about McCaffrey. If you go back and look at the box score, he puts up some big games, but usually that's because he has like one or two huge runs and then a lot of runs for like three yards. And George. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off there because that is something that a lot of people say. And when you look at it, every single running back is that way. If they're good. The difference is the bad ones don't get the big runs. Maybe. Every single running back has a whole bunch of short yard runs, three, four, five yards, and then a few that they break free of. I feel like McCaffrey has a whole bunch of like three, four yard runs. And then the big ones that kind of inflate his rushing total. I don't know. You could be right. I just, for a guy. I that, am right. Cause I have literally looked at this and had this argument multiple times with sports people where we had to go very deep into actually proving them wrong because you know how sports people are. If I'm talking about like in college with other people who wanted to be sports broadcasters and journalists. So they think they know what they're talking about. So they're just going to be like, unless you actually show them the statistics that dead, dead on prove them wrong. They're going to be like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. I've gone through that trouble. Oh, well, I think you're wrong. No, it's baffling to me though, how someone that is so good and as good as McCaffrey can have so many carries that don't result in more yardage. George Kittle was just on with Kevin Clark of the ringer. And he said some of that is due to the fact that Kyle Shanahan is calling plays, running plays to set up other plays. And he's less concerned with how many yards that particular play gains because the the real value is in setting up something else. So, okay, that that's not going to explain away every two and three yard run. So you're going to go McCaffrey one for the 49ers. All right. I will take McCaffrey first overall myself. I don't feel great about it. But he is clearly the best running back. The only thing that stops it is injury. That's my only concern with him. He was, and like I said, as long as he plays close to half the season, he's going to lead the team. Yeah, you might be right about that. All right, so we both have CMC number one. Who do you have at two? I have Jordan Mason. Not a shocking development. He uh, should have got more carries last year. I feel like he's probably going to take over for Eli Mitchell as the number two. Even if he doesn't, Eli Mitchell will probably miss 15 games. (laughs) And even if that doesn't happen, I feel like Jordan Mason is more of the change of pace than Eli Mitchell is. Because CMC is, you know, an elusive back. I wouldn't say he's truly like a burner running back, but he's kind of more of the very quick, elusive type running back, whereas Mason's more of a pounder. Yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, Chase Sr. actually tweeted out a great stat. Uh, Of the 270 rushing yards Jordan Mason had as a rookie, 190 came after contact. 4.22 yards after contact, ranked second among qualifying running backs in the entire NFL last year. So you could just tell. Jordan Mason got in there. He knew he had to ball out with every freaking rep because he wasn't going to get that many. 
and he ran hard for the Niners last year. I I could see Mason as number two. I'm on the same. Mason, he's bigger than Gore, but he reminds me of Gore where he gets to speed and then he's just kind of a thick, thicker person. There's not like, you know what I mean? Like his lower body is very strong, but it's also proportional. So like you can hit him anywhere and he's going to bounce off the first person. It's not that he necessarily runs over them. It's that he always moves forward when he gets hit. He doesn't get knocked back ever. And that adds up when you get, because it counts as yards after contact. If you get hit and the person makes the tackle, but you fall forward for three yards, that's three yards after contact. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Balance can be just as good as just sheer strength. Gore certainly had that. Mason has it. Now we get down to the tricky part of the equation. Number three, um, take your pick. Are you going Elijah Mitchell? Are you going... Cameron Laybourne, the undrafted running back, or not Cameron. Uh, forgive me, I can't remember his first name. It's not Cameron, but Laybourne, I know, is his last name. Uh, are you going that? Where are you going for number three? This is where I went completely off off the rails on number three. It's not going to be Debo. I think Debo is actually probably... Kalen Laybourne, sorry. Debo actually has a pretty good shot because he's he gets rushing. But if you actually look at what happened last year, it is very clear team said we're not letting Debo get rushing he had 105 rushing yards in in weeks one and two combined he had like 150 the rest of the season and one of those runs was like 50 yards against Seattle in week two right and he only had I think three games with more than 20 after those first two weeks so it's very clear defenses said no this is not going to be what beats us (laughs) (laughs) I think that continues because if Debo gets rushing you're not winning you know what I mean? If Debo has a big rushing total, you almost definitely lost. So don't let that X factor come into play. So I don't think Debo is going to be nearly as much as we have seen, even just last year. Obviously, last year wasn't as good as the year before, mm-hmm. but even I think last year was higher than what he's going to be. I went with, and this is a risk, I went with Purdy. I know he only had 13 scrambling yards nope. in his five starts. I think he's going to get a little bit more yards scrambling. And I do think there's something to be said that he was a rookie and everything went so well in those five games that they averaged, what, 33 points that he didn't have to truly scramble and get yards. So I feel like he's going to end up probably with 250, 300 yards rushing. I don't think so. People think he's a scrambler because he moves. I know he he has no top gear. Well, not only very quick, but he, he he's, you know, if you're talking about once you're up to speed, He's as slow as like an offensive lineman. <laughs> you know his high in rushing yards last year in any game he started in the regular season. His high? Yep. Probably like the five most yards, six seven yards. Seven yards. Yeah. Seven. He doesn't run past the line of scrimmage. He runs behind the line of scrimmage. That's what, he didn't have to because somebody always got open. I don't think that's always going to be the case. I think things went perfectly well last year in his five games in the regular season. I think that that's just not his game, especially like in the NFL. Like, dude, you are not going to be outrunning a ton of people. doesn't mean he can never scramble for yards. We saw him do the the high step against, I think it was Seattle. He did that. Um, but I just, I don't think that is built into his game. You know, that just because you can do it doesn't mean that you do. I'm going to go with, oh man. I can't you haven't even that. mentioned TDP. You listed off possibilities and you never went TDP. 
I don't even know if T. I don't know if TDP makes the roster. I don't know if Elijah Mitchell. I know both of them will. I think Mitchell does not make the roster. I think they'll try to trade him, but I I think they're gonna. What's gonna end up happening is they probably have more good running backs than what they can keep, and mm-hmm. they go, we can't trust that guy to be healthy, and we don't want to release this guy and lose him, yep. and then he gets help, he gets injured, and so they're gonna go. You know what? We're gonna let him go because he can't stay healthy. Elijah Mitchell has missed more games than he's played in his NFL career. And that's awful because he's really, really good when he's on the field. His only problem is health. But again, the 49ers are at a spot where they cannot keep counting on injured guys. We've talked about it. It bit him in the ass with Jimmy Garoppolo. It bit him in the ass with, with Javon Kinlaw. You can't do it if you're the 49ers. I'll go Laybourne. I don't know a ton about him. But the Niners are good at plucking these undrafted free agents. We're talking about the third leading rusher. I agree that it's not going to be Debo. And I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing. It could be Lance. You know, it could be Lance. He starts. I, I debated whether, do I go Lance or do I go Purdy? I was like, Lance is probably going too far in kind of the homer. It's a little more wishful thinking because it means he started. <laughs> Levin pointed, he's got a Lance jersey in the background if you're listening. And he just kind of slyly pointed to it as I was talking. I do wonder if, if if Brock comes back and he's doing his thing, does Kyle try the two quarterback? System? I thought that's funny. I thought about that today. I was like, you know, I hadn't thought about that. That he might bring in that whole red zone package thing again with with Trey Lance. It would be interesting. I don't know if the locker room would react the same way as they reportedly did with Jimmy Garoppolo. Or if they-, they do, they can shut the f- up. <laughs> do what's best for the team. I don't care about this whole, hey, that's undermining Jimmy. No, it's what was best for the team. They scored touchdowns when Trey Lance came in in his rookie year and was doing that. What were they, three for three in that scenario, or was it two for two? I can't remember how many times he went I'm pretty sure every time he came in, they scored. Now, granted, it was a very small sample, but keep in mind, the offense desperately needed it. They were scoring 19 points a game before Christian McCaffrey got Well, they were in the bottom third of – uh, red zone efficiency in Kyle Shanahan's yeah. tenure before that. Like, yeah, they needed that help. And the vets said, no, we don't care about scoring points. We're <laughs> worried about how this looks on our vet quarterback over here. So if they do that again, they need to be told kick rocks, grow up, or I'll find somewhere else for you. I agree. If I'm Kyle, I'm like, look, I can't trade for Christian McCaffrey again. Okay. <laughs> we did that once already. I'm sorry. Um, and we've seen with Kyle, he needs kind of a new toy every year. First, it was Debo running. Then it was trading for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it's the Trey Lance thing again. And if you're Lance, you should welcome it just so you can get on the damn field and put something out there for maybe somebody to, to be interested in you. Um, I, I did wonder that. I'd be fascinated. I would wholeheartedly support it, especially if they're struggling in the red zone. Um, but we will see. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We differ there on the rushing. Do you want to go receiving now or you want to go sacks? Let's keep it in the offense, and then we'll go to defense. All right. So top three finishers in receiving yards for the 49ers in 2023. You have the floor. Ayuk, I think he takes off. So I think he is a very heavy favorite to be number one on the team. He was last year, and I think he's only gotten better. And you've already heard just from this mandatory minicamp, both what was it, Debo and Kittle say he's unguardable. Debo, Kittle, I think somebody else said it too. Was it Juice? Some, somebody else said it. I think this is the year that Ayuk rises. He's not going to be able – I don't think he's going to be able to, in a Shanahan offense, put up 1,500 yards and people go, oh, he might be the best wide receiver in the league. Right. I don't think he's capable of doing that because of the offensive limitations and the fact that there's so many mouths to feed mm-hmm. that are very high-quality uh, players. But I do think he tops 1,200 yards, and I think he – solidifies himself as somebody that all the experts say is one of the best route runners in the entire NFL. He is. I mean, some of the, you could, some of the film packages that are out there now, cause he's been getting so much love. He is roasting people, absolutely roasting them. I hope so. You've been on the IUK train from the second he got drafted. I have been on it since probably the end of his rookie year. Um, but I think I agree. He should finish number one. To me, he finishes number one because he can adapt to anything. If you need to throw him shorter passes, he can catch and Mm -hmm. run. He can separate deeper down the field and get open. And we know Kyle is a master of getting guys open in the intermediate area of the field. I think they had like the most catches with three yards of separation or more in that area of the field. Um, So it should be Ayuk number one. He's the most versatile. He's the guy that feels like a real wide receiver on the team. He's the guy that can play any role yes. amongst the wide receivers. He can be X, Y, or even in the slot. He can excel at all of them, so you can move them all around, yep. and you can do whatever you want. He's not Debo after the catch, but nobody is. I think he's very good after the catch. He's, he's really not, good after the catch. He, he's, not, he's not amongst the leaders in the NFL after the catch. You know, I think uh, the A.J. Browns are better than him after the catch, obviously, um, and obviously Debo and a few others, but I think he's very, very good after the catch. And then he's elite at pretty much everything else. Debo does it just by straight up breaking tackles. Ayuk does it. He's really good at creating space after the catch where he'll catch a ball in traffic and take like one or two steps. And you're like, wait a minute, how did he get that much room? And then he'll gain. It's the same same thing he does in the route running where you go, oh, he's going this direction. Oh, whoa, he's over here. Never mind. I honestly... (laughs) He almost reminds me of Michael Crabtree a little bit. Crabtree was awesome after the catch, especially for a guy who wasn't fast. Ayuk was way faster than Crabtree. But I was impressed by Ayuk after the catch. I do think he'll lead the Niners in receiving for the second straight year. Where are you going for number two? Right. That's where it gets interesting. Because two and three have quite a few options. I'm going Debo because I liked what he said and what, he's kind of showing that, yeah, I wasn't exactly in the best of shape last year. Mm-hmm. And then he's taking it more seriously and he has to earn the contract. Plus 
because the rushing won't work as well, I think Kyle will make it more of a point to get the ball in his hand through the passing game. You know, I, I think after the run plays, we've seen a lot of times after Debo has that end around. When you think about an end around, he runs a long ways before he's even to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and a lot of times he got a break after that. Well, if he's not running those as often, I think he's in more on the pass plays. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's going to end up kind of rebounding a good bit as a receiver. He's not having the 1,400 yard season yet. You know, I said it at the time that he had that season. He did it on 77 catches because he broke so many of them from a five-yard catch into a 40- or 50-yard game, most often touchdowns. That's not realistic. It doesn't matter how good you are after the catch. It's not realistic to expect that to happen, you know, seven, eight times in a season. But I do think he gets back to 1,000 yards. Michelle has been on that train forever that they need to get Debo the ball deeper down the field. Rich Madrid just tweeted it out uh, this week. I think it was two days ago. Debo Samuel caught 27 passes behind the line of scrimmage last year. Now, technically, if you work out the math, that counts to a game, which doesn't sound like a lot. But then you also consider like his average depth of target, I think, was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So now you're talking about a ton of passes to one of your best weapons, especially after the catch, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Use him deeper down the field more, which is what they did in 2021 when he put up all those numbers because the first tackle that he breaks is a defensive back rather than a linebacker or defensive lineman. It is true. Now, I think this year is going to kind of be the make or break it year in terms of can he actually get open deeper down the field? Because that is a little bit of a question. Is he a good enough receiver to get open consistently down the field to where it is possible to get him the ball more deeper down the field? I think he gets a lot more screens, which we didn't see a whole lot of wide receiver screens last year because they kept trying to run so often. I think he gets more of those because the run won't be there. And that's why I think he's going to be able to rebound some because he'll still get what he was getting in the passing game. Plus he's going to get probably two or three more easy passes, maybe a five yard out or a slant or a screen just to get the ball in his hands. What we have seen with Debo is that if he has some sort of issue before the season, whether it's an injury with the broken toe, like it was a couple of years ago or the contract situation, it affects him. It affects him throughout the whole year. It affects his preparation, his conditioning, all that stuff. It sounds like at least this year he's on it, which if you get that level of Debo with the IUK that we think we could see, this could be a very, very dangerous offense. So you're going Debo two, and who are you going three? So the obvious answer here is not the one I went with. Kittle is the obvious answer to go with three. They're the clear top three, and I – I'm really torn because I think he could rebound, but I think if Debo rebounds, there's not enough of the other passes down the field for Kittle to really do it. I think McCaffrey. Yeah. I'm betting on him being healthy. And I think, you know, McCaffrey averaged 42 yards receiving a game when he came over. And that puts him on pace for, I think it was like 717 yards in a 17-game season. I could see that creeping up to 750, 800 yards in a season. I'm not sure Kittle gets there if both Ayuk and Debo are the great receivers that I think they're going to be this season. That's fair. 
Um, they're, and especially with the 49ers, they just don't throw the ball that much. If you were going to throw the ball maybe as much as some other teams in the league, then maybe there'd be opportunities there. But then that's not what the Niners are going to do, even if it's working. They, they want to run the ball. They are a run-first team. I will go Ayuk one. I'm actually going Kittle two. I think that Kittle opened some eyes last year. With, and not just among fans, I think among the coaching staff. How long have I been saying that blocking is the second best thing George Kittle does? A long time. And I feel like he opened some eyes last year. He had five touchdowns of 30 yards or more. And thank you to you, Levin, for looking this up. That was tied for the third most in the entire league among receivers, running backs, tight end, everybody. Kittle yeah, was that, that's rushing and receiving. Yes. Not just receiving. It was Devontae Adams who had nine, which is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I literally was like, hold on. I, I got to double check this. <laughs> and because nine is insane. I double checked it after you sent it to me, too, because I couldn't believe it. So, Devontae, oh, you don't trust me. No, not as far as I could throw you. Devontae Adams had nine. Tyler Lockett actually had six, which is really impressive. And then Kittle was tied for third with. Tony Pollard of the Cowboys. They each had five, although only two of Pollard's were receiving. The rest of his were rushing, but still, but that just shows how explosive George Kittle was. Keep in mind, that's more than Justin Jefferson. That's, that's more than Jamar chase in Cincinnati. We're talking about like elite wide receivers, Waddle in Miami. Kittle was better than those guys at the big play. I think we could see, especially if it's Purdy out of the gate, I think we could see George Kittle get a lot closer to the record-breaking George Kittle that we saw a few years ago. So I'm going to go Kittle, too. Yeah, and so that's what I was torn on. I think either Debo has the big season or Kittle does. I think a lot of that will depend on what defenses do, in my opinion. If defenses come out and, like last year, say, we're not letting Debo get going because he's the X factor, then Kittle probably does overtake. But if teams reel back in on Debo because he had such a bad season last year, I could see Debo rebounding and having a thousand plus yard season. I think one of those two goes for over a thousand, but not both. I could see defenses early in the year saying, you know what? We saw Kittle go nuts at the end of last year. Let's make Debo prove that he can do it. And get yeah, I thought he went nuts at the end of the year with Purdy too. And I said that to Michelle and she was like, no, he had a lot of touchdowns. And so yes. I went and looked. He had three games with under 30 yards receiving with Purdy. Yes. He just had, I think, what, five touchdowns with Purdy in the five games. So that's why it felt like he did so much more, which obviously that is important. So not five, seven touchdowns with Purdy. Yeah, it was so seven. That's why it felt like he broke out so much more than he did in ter- in terms of receptions and yards. Yeah, no, he didn't do it yardage-wise, I agree. But his touchdowns were huge touchdowns, too. He had a 28-yarder, he had a 54-yarder, a 34-yarder, a 33-yarder, and then uh, a couple of short ones. Um, I think that Kittle is going to be the second leading receiver on the team. And then I'll go I'll go Debo three. Um, the thing with Debo is, like, don't necessarily look at volume, look at impact. Like, he could end up with the third most receiving yards on the, on the team, but he could be the guy that makes those huge clutch plays plays at the end of the game like he did in week 17 or week 18 against the Rams a couple years ago when the Niners were fighting to get into the playoffs and Jimmy hit him on that play where the ball was like inches away from Jalen Ramsey and he ran it for like 50 yards 
Like those are the type of plays that you want Debo for. He doesn't need to catch 110 passes. No, and he never will. That's just not the type of receiver he is. Right. So I'll go Ayuk, Kittle, Debo. You're going Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey. Right. I do have a trivia question for you. Ooh, okay. Lay it on me. I, f- I found it when I was trying to look up that stat for you. Okay. Uh, because I realized you could sort things by age, and that kind of piqued my curiosity of, oh, who's the oldest person to ever have a 30-plus yard touchdown? I mean, pretty easy guess. Jerry, Jerry Rice. Rice. Yeah. But then that, that got me wondering, and so I sorted it a little bit more. Who is the second oldest wide receiver to ever do it for the 49ers? The second oldest wide receiver to ever have a 30 plus yard touchdown. Right. So Jerry Rice did it at like 38 years old and some. He had multiple when he was 38. Randy Moss. Nope. Really? Randy Moss retired when he was like 34. Yeah, I know, but like the the 49ers have not had a they have three really good receivers. Jerry, TO, and Randy Moss. And other than that, it's not a great list of wide receivers all getting one. Isaac Bruce. Yep. All right, so not bad. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, Isaac Bruce actually makes it into the because he didn't do a whole lot. He yeah. actually didn't have as bad of a year. He had a better year with the 49ers than Randy Moss did, for instance. He did put he up more. Really? St- yeah, he did. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm misremembering. Now you got me curious. But uh, yeah, so that that caught me off guard. I was like, oh, Isaac Bruce. I think he was 36, if I remember correctly. He had he had seven touchdowns as a 36 year old with the 49ers in 2008. That's damn impressive for Isaac Bruce. Mm-hmm. Who was his quarterback that year? <laughs> yeah, 800 yards. It was Sean Hill and our friend JT O'Sullivan. Yeah, so 800 yards. Isaac Bruce. There you go. That's uh, right. impressive. Like people remember the Randy Moss one so much more because yeah. it was a Super Bowl year and the Isaac Bruce years were <laughs> the forgettable years. Oh, um, <laughs> but 800 yards and seven touchdowns, like that's one of the best seasons. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Between T.O. and Crabtree, like the span of a decade between yeah. those two, that's one of the best re- uh, receiving seasons that existed between those two. Definitely was not expecting to recall the Isaac Bruce years. <laughs> it just caught my, like I said, I was just, I went down a rabbit hole because you sent me on a scavenger hunt. And then I was like, who is the oldest person to have a 30 plus? Is it Jerry Rice? Oh yeah. He has like three of them before anybody else is on this list. Isaac Bruce caught a 47 yard touchdown from Alex Smith in 2012. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's Randy Moss. My apologies. That was Randy Moss. That makes more sense. Last category we're going to get to on today's show. Who leads the 49ers in sacks in 2023? We'll go top three as always, but who will start with the leader, of course? It's pretty obvious. I think we're going to go, we're going to both go with Nick Bosa. Yeah. I, there was a little bit of me that wanted to go 
ooh, Hargrave, because he gets to line up next to Bosa all the time. And so you're not going to be able to, like, do anything with him because you're going to be trying to double-team Boza all the time. But I was like, no. Boza put up what he did, and he was getting double-teamed all the time last year. Anybody. So having a Hargrave is probably only going to help him. Yeah, I think Bosa's number one. This just in, he's really good. He's going to get the bag. Either he's going to get the bag this year, or he's not going to get the bag, and he's going to be super pissed, and he's going to just even go even more crazy. Uh, so I agree. Bosa number one. Who's your number two? Well, as you could guess, based on what I just said, Hargrave. He I should, do think he, he puts up 10 plus. That would be massive for the 49 I think he's quicker than Bosa. So that's part of why I was thinking maybe he surprises and gets like 14 or 15 and Bosa's more like 12, 13, because he's, I think he's a little quicker than Bosa. That's the one thing that Bosa's not really a lead at. So maybe Hargrave beats him to the quarterback sometimes. The potential is there for such a devastating line. Let's say Hargrave gets there first, right? Then the quarterback has to pick a side. He's either got to go to Bosa's side, which good luck doing that, or everything is going to be flushed to Drake Jackson on the other side. Like Drake Jackson just has to kind of be there, and the quarterback's going to be coming right at him. Can you imagine being an offensive lineman on the left side and you go to play the 49ers? I mean, you're, you're going to be like, please appendix, please burst. <laughs> Give me a week off. <laughs> and then, uh, like Jason Naponte's bold prediction was that Eric Armstead's going to be a first team all pro at defensive tackle too. Right. So that, that could be your meat in the middle of that defensive line could be Bosa Hargrave Armstead and say what you want about Armstead. He plays D tackle at a, an extremely high level. Right. So Armstead had his, sack season you know the one year that he had a lot of sacks mm-hmm. when they actually had another edge so he got to be a pass rusher from the inside more and that will probably be the case this year i would think because you would think drake jackson has progressed to the point that you're not going to have armstead out there you're going to want to have a drake jackson armstead hargrave boza combination on third downs that is that is damn good if you're the 49ers so you're going to go hargrave second and who's your three so I was torn. I thought about Armstead, but I just, I feel like Armstead is not going to get the sacks because of the Hargrave speed coming on the inside. I, I just, unless teams just go Hargrave is who we're concentrating on and Armstead goes single, which Armstead actually got double teamed a lot last year. He gets double teamed a lot because the other inside presence was a non-factor last year for the 49ers. Um, so maybe he takes off. But I went Jackson. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give him the vote of confidence. I wanted to go to be determined, meaning whatever free agent they sign. <laughs> but I've liked what we've seen from Jackson and his honesty and humility that, yeah, I wasn't up to snuff last year. Um, and basically saying, now I'm a professional and I'm acting like a professional. So I, I'm going to bet on him kind of taking off a bit and reaping the benefits of having those other three guys uh, having the def- her offensive line shaken in the boots to where he gets whatever crappy offensive lineman that's left. <laughs> um, I'm going to agree with you on the first two. I think it's pretty obvious. Bosa, Hargrave, that makes sense. I'm going to disagree with you on number three, and this is something that I'm kind of excited about. I'm going Fred Warner at number three. Steve Wilkes loves to blitz his linebackers. He did it in Carolina. As soon as he became the head coach in Carolina, he was like, 
we're going to be more aggressive with the linebackers. Brian Burns absolutely loved it. And you look at his sack numbers, they went way up. Can you imagine, especially on like key third downs, right? Third and five. You got all those guys on the defensive line we're talking about. And then here comes Fred Warner, maybe the fastest middle linebacker or one of the fastest linebackers in the entire league flying through the line. You know Fred wants to do it because that's kind of been the one sort of blemish on his career that he doesn't have the sack totals that other guys have. I'm going Warner number three. I think Fred could end up with eight, eight or nine sacks this year. Who would you rather blitz? Warner or Greenlaw? I think Greenlaw is probably a little bit faster than Warner is. Yeah. You could I, I would say Warner's probably a little bit better in coverage. More oh, reliable. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I think Greenlaw kind of well, no, I wouldn't even say it. Warner is better in, in coverage. So if you're talking about blitzing a super fast linebacker and having the other one be in coverage, wouldn't you blitz Greenlaw and have Warner be in coverage? That does make sense, I suppose. But then there's this. How many sacks does Dre Greenlaw have in his career? Yeah. He doesn't blitz ever, so he just might not be very good. Like, he might be somebody that I run fast, and that's his <laughs> blitzing <laughs> capability. <laughs> He's been you know, a- he might not have any moves developed in that regard. He was a rookie in 2019. Dre Greenlaw has two sacks in his career. He has not had a sack since COVID. Since 2020 was his last sack. Not one. So maybe you'd rather blitz Fred Warner. Like I said, it is possible. Like being able to pass rush takes a lot of dedication on working on moves, studying offensive linemen, how they like to use their hands. You know, it's a very technical pursuit. That's why Boza is capable of being a defensive MVP despite not being anywhere near a physical freak in terms of speed or anything that you look for in a pass rusher. You know, he's good enough in speed, but it's really because he is probably the best technician there is when it comes to pass rushing. And he's good at going from speed to power and vice versa Yeah, because of the, the technique that you're talking about. You basically got to expect anything at any time. I'm predicting a, sa- a big sack year for Fred Warner. He only had two sacks last year and he only has six and a half in his entire career so again another 49ers linebacker and i get it they're not asked to do that a lot but i think they will be this year i think that's going to be steve wilkes big addition to the defense is going to be more aggressive linebackers and more man-to-man defense in the secondary does he change hufanga because hufanga going on that blitz uh bared a lot of fruit last year do you want to take that away from him because i don't think you can blitz him and a linebacker yeah no no (laughs) Um, but who knows? Like if, if you're saying, Oh, Hufanga, we're going to use him in coverage a lot more. You're taking away what he's best at. Yeah, I agree. He's awesome at anticipate. You could see it too. Mm-hmm. You see him start to come and you're like, up oh, here. There were so many uh, plays last year where he would do that. And he would be in the backfield so fast. He would blow up the play, even though he wouldn't tackle anybody or sometimes even get a hit on people. Cause they would just change direction so fast. He would absolutely blow up plays, so they better not stop doing that with him because I agree, it's one of his best skills. If I was somebody in college that looked like they were going to get to the NFL as either a linebacker or a safety, I would be calling Palomalu and saying, I'll pay you whatever. (laughs) Just teach me how the hell you anticipate plays because clearly you taught it to Hofanga. So you have some kind of technique of being able to 
pick it up and know when to go because you it's eerily identical to how Palomo. it's not just yeah. that oh he anticipates well and he knows when the snap is coming it's his mannerisms the way he's moving the way he jumps right away like it is the same so it's certainly a technique there i don't think it's just oh you anticipate the snap there there's some kind of technique to it that Palomo somehow mastered and taught to hofanga if you are young and you don't remember Palomalu because he retired after the 2014 year, just you, just YouTube Troy Palomalu sack or just Troy Palomalu highlights, you were going to see that there was a one game against, was it the Seahawks, where he, he blocks like two straight field goals. Isn't that? He blocks a field goal, but there was a penalty. And then he does it again where I think he just jumps right over the line of scrimmage. It was. There, there's the famous play. I think it was a, I think it was either a third or fourth down and it was in a big moment. Where literally, they snap the ball, and before the quarterback can get away from the center and take a step backwards, Palomalu had timed it so perfectly that he just dove over the center and tackled the quarterback as he received the ball from the center. It was one of those moves that, if he guessed even a nanosecond too early, He's probably getting a personal foul, <laughs> not not offsides, because he's literally like spearing the quarterback before the snap even happens. Yeah, it was it was crazy, and it is exactly like Palomalo. So you're right; there must be some thing, tick, key that he has picked up on. But whatever, it's working. I'm glad it's on our side. All right, last thing before we go is a question that popped up uh, during my show with Grant Cohn yesterday. I want to ask it to you: if you could get one fully healthy season where a player starts and finishes every game the 49ers play, no matter how long they go, you get one. And it could either be Christian McCaffrey or any quarterback you want that's on the Niners. Which one are you taking? Christian McCaffrey. Right. That's the weird. That's the thing no, about it. It's not, it's not weird because of this. There's no comparable backup to Christian McCaffrey. There are comparable backup or backups, depending on what Darnold is, to whatever quarterback you pick between Purdy and Lance. Because if Purdy doesn't work out, hey, you got Lance. If Lance is the starter and he gets hurt, Purdy probably comes back in. So you got two options there. Christian McCaffrey, there is no other option after him. The offense has to completely and utterly change if he goes down. But, I mean, running back are generally the most replaceable position. They yeah, do like other... like the Titans. I guarantee you every single one of their fans would say, uh, I'm choosing Henry over right. Tannehill. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, McCaffrey was such a shot in the arm last year. Just like an immediate bolt of lightning from the gods. I understand anybody that takes Christian McCaffrey, but I feel like save for maybe the Titans, like you said, and the 49ers and maybe like the Colts, those are probably the only three teams that would say the running back, right? Everybody else is going to go quarterback. We know it's not the Vikings. <laughs> we should mention that by the way, before we go, the, the breaking news uh, Wednesday evening was that Kirk Cousins, acknowledges and and the Vikings acknowledge that they are not going to talk about a contract extension until his contract is up in March. So he's just going to play out the year. Whatever happens, happens. And then we'll see. I mean, you know what's going to happen, Levin. 
You know what's going to happen. I, I, I put it out on Twitter. I tweeted that story and I said, this is another way of saying, I'm going to wait and see if Purdy and Lance pan out. Because if they don't, here I am five years late. <laughs> I could see, I, I could see it. If Purdy and Lance do not work out, if either both get injured, both play and don't do well, whatever way in which they don't pan out, Cousins will be the quarterback next year. He's the back door. He's the escape hatch, right? Kyle could say, look, Purdy, you know, didn't regain his form. Lance got hurt again and whatever. Or Lance played and just wasn't that good. Whatever the case right. may be, Kyle, just like he said with Christian McCaffrey, right? Oh, ha ha, we wanted to draft you back in the day. We just wanted the team to be better around you. Guess what? Here comes Kirk. Kirk, you were the original plan in 2017. We didn't scout Patrick Mahomes because we wanted you. And guess what? I think it is a very real possibility. And if you don't think that there is not a small part of Kirk Cousins that put this out there as a message to Kyle Shanahan, I think you're incredibly naive. I think that absolutely has to be part of it. Because if you don't think they talked in 2017 about him coming to the Niners, I think you're nuts. And I bet you they've talked since then. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure they have talked since then. To bring it full circle, I don't think it's a coincidence that Cousins announced this after the cook mess. If I'm Cousins and you have this team that, what, they win 12 games last year? Uh, I think it's 12 games. I think so. Uh, and you, so you have this team that you have to think is a championship contender. In their minds, you know, I, I think we don't look at it, but... In their minds, they got to be a championship contender. And you go, hey, we got this really good running back who's one of the best in the league, has four straight thousand yard seasons and 10 plus touchdown seasons. And we're just going to release him because we don't want to pay him $10 million, which isn't that crazy amount of money. Uh, I would be pretty pissed on his situation. It's like, hey, you're hurting my Super Bowl chances. This is why you're the Vikings and have never won one. I mean, everyone's going to bag on Kirk, but it's like, hey. They won 13 last year, by the way. 13 freaking games. Is including, it 13? Yes, including the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. Like, that is a thing that happened. Um, I could see it happening, and I already know what I would say if it did happen to 49ers fans. As much as you want to bag on Kirk Cousins, and I have been there with you, I have called Kirk Cousins a human sweater vest to his face. He's exactly what the 49ers have not had at quarterback. He never gets hurt. And his production never changes. He's given you 4,000 yards and he's given you 30 touchdowns every year. It's what, five years in a row he's done that? It's something like that. It's insane. Guess what the 49ers haven't had in 20 years? A 30 touchdown season? Mm-hmm. But they also haven't had a 4,000 yard passing season in 20 years. Not yes. the combination of the two together, but one or the other. They have had neither in 20 years. So, okay, Kirk threw for 29 touchdowns last year. Excuse me. Wow. But before that, 33. Before that, 35, 26, 30, 27, 25, 29. He's putting, he's putting up 30. He's giving you 30, and he's thrown for 4,000 yards every year since 2015 except one, and that was when he played less than a full season. In 2019, he missed a couple of games. Other than that, that's what you get from Kirk, and I know it doesn't look pretty all the time, and there's ugly plays mixed in, and I get all the limitations that are there. But what he gives you is better than what the 49ers have gotten from their quarterbacks in a long, long time. And that is not in dispute. I will say this. 
If the 49ers are at the point that they feel the need to sign Kirk Cousins next offseason, <laughs> I will be 100% behind it because the only way I feel like they get there is if yeah. something happened to both these quarterbacks. Like I said, either they both got hurt, uh, one got hurt and one bombed, or they both bombed because they both got chances since they both sucked. Some combination where both of them didn't do what you needed. At that point, yeah, I am at the point where I don't give a bleep who it is. Whatever vet quarterback that is at least going to be reliable to be borderline top 10 quarterback, I am on board with because I am sick of this and I feel <laughs> like the Super Bowl window has been wasted. And I know you and uh, Grant covered this quite a bit, but Kyle's mishandling of the quarterback situation has what uh, it's what's held back this team in a Super Bowl window. If they had figured out the quarterback situation, and I'm not saying had gone and gotten Patrick Mahomes, because if they gotten Patrick Mahomes and they have the rest of this roster, they're a four-time Super Bowl <laughs> winner, you know. But I'm just saying if they had figured out the quarterback position and got somebody that I would argue, even if they got somebody that played like Jimmy Garoppolo but never got hurt, they would have at least one Super Bowl. You could make that argument. Of course, you're leaving off our boy. Darnold rules! In this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a reason. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm just telling you now, and we've been telling you for a while, do not sleep on Kirk Cousins to the 49ers next year. It is a very, very real possibility, at least as we record on June 15th, 2023. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Don't throw in that towel yet. Because until somebody has truly emerged and, hey, that's the franchise quarterback, he's always going to be there. Until Kirk Cousins is dead, don't count him off the list for Kyle Hey, Schick. that could be as soon as Sunday, right? Well, that's true. God, there are some, there are some whoppers <laughs> quotes that have come out of this regime. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Please like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. And don't forget our new site, goldstandardniners.com. I know it's been, you know, there haven't been a ton of updates because I've been out after this damn appendix, but I'm writing stories up again. I've got a story about how Elijah Mitchell's roster spot is very much in danger. Uh, we're going to have much, much more on the website as I get back up and running to full speed. I hope, Levin, you're going to write some more stories for us. Michelle is going to uh, start her fantasy previews for us as well in the weeks to come. So please check it out, goldstandardniners.com. Levin, as much as you poo-poo it, I hope you have a fabulous weekend. I know you're going to say something mean about mine, so go ahead. No, I'll just say what weekend. I, I am working eight days straight with uh, a swap on Friday tonight. So uh, this, this weekend does not exist in my mind. All right. Let's all shed a tear for 11 Black. Have a good one, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.